0: It's so dedicated to women, and especially to the married woman with children, or the single woman with children. I really mean that. The first thing it talks about is the, the importance and the worth that she has. A wife of noble character, who can find? She's worth far more than rubies. husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value I like that lacks nothing of value in other words he's got the best okay she brings him good not harm all the days of her life now Bob didn't read all of us and and I'm not going to get read all of it either but I will go into just a few situations I want you to look at her, and as you see her, she brings him good and not harm in all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. And she gets up while it's still dark, and she provides food for her family and portions for the servant girls. She's a good consumer, but better buyer than the consumer. She considers a field and buys her out of her earnings and she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously and her arms are strong for her task. And she sees that her trading is profitable. You say, Sister Amy, this talks about some some lady that's really into business. What a what a negotiator. But listen to this eighteenth verse. She sees that her trading is profitable profitable. And this is a verse I preached on I can't even tell you how many times, and her light and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hands, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with a finger. That's part of that spinning situation to make a garment. She opens her arms to the poor. She's a benevolent person, extends her hand to the needy, and when it snows, she has no fear for her household. She's a preventative human being, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed, and she's clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband's respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them, and supplies the merchants with sashes. She's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. The only one that can laugh at days to come is someone with faith who knows that tomorrow is held in God's hands. She speaks with wisdom. That tells you right there that she must know God. For the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. There isn't a wise person that doesn't know God. There may be an intelligent person. There may may be a knowledgeable person. There may be a person that has studied a lot, uh, there may be a person of high instruction, but when we talk about wisdom, now that cometh from the Lord, because wisdom is the ability to translate all knowledge, everything received, whether it be through books or through the Spirit, into a working, let's, let me put it this way, knowledge put into perfect use is wisdom, and uh a lot of people have a lot of knowledge but they're not wise a lot of people have a lot of knowledge and a lot of titles uh, but they do not have wisdom wisdom cometh from the Lord okay and then she watches over the affairs of her household i love that she is in touch with her household and she's not lazy that's what it means when it says she does not eat the bread of idleness Our children arise and call her blessed, and her husband also, he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. That's the scripture in the little article I wrote for mothers today. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord (coughs) is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. This is the wife of noble character. This is the woman. And this is the woman that is also a mother. I want to take this into the New Testament. I want these reflections to be seen in the Gospels because that's where the reflection takes body. That's where it becomes tangible. That's where we can drink it in, not as an ideal, but as something that is ours and it is for us. Jesus had an interesting experience, an experience with a lady that I don't know if she was a mother. I don't know her position in life. I just know that through circumstances and through, uh, uh, what can I say, through sin and the power of sin in her life, she ended up on the streets and very busy and occupied in the oldest profession the world knows, which is prostitution. And this little lady was once dragged out of her place of prostitution and dragged into a city circle. And there was this man they called the master. But she wasn't dragged there by him. She was dragged there by Pharisees and by a group of religious leaders. And I'm sure they never went into the house, and I'm sure they never touched her, but they had who would do it for them. So the woman is dragged and she's in a circle. First of all, I don't know the circumstances. I don't know if she was ever married. I don't know if she had children. I don't know if she was a mother. I don't know anything. The scene opens in John 8 and she's just a prostitute and she's in a circle. And the Pharisees, they're not much interested in her. Believe it or not, she's not the issue. She is just being used as a scapegoat because they want to get to Jesus. They want to do Him harm. They want to make Him talk against the law. They want Him to say things which are contrary to the things that they teach. And so they said to Jesus, this woman is caught in the act of adultery. The Bible says she should be stoned. And I share with you that maybe it had been 3,000 or 2,000 years that they hadn't stoned a, a, a prostitute. Now, why all this fuss? Well, simply, like I said, to get to Jesus. And Jesus looks at her and realizes, here is a woman in a situation that she shouldn't be in. I mean, here is a woman getting my brunt. Here is a woman being torn apart because they want to tear me apart. But don't you love Jesus? For every negative situation in our life, he can take it and use it to his glory and to his honor. That's what I love about the master. You know, sometimes people get up and give testimonies about uh, horrible things they did and horrible places they were in and, and somehow or other, God saw them through and brought them out and they say, you know, God took me there. No, no, God didn't take you there. You took yourself there. Now that God salvaged a situation by being able to use a negative and turn it into a positive, that's only God that does it. Lord looks at this woman doesn't even ask her a question or anything at that given moment no because once again the accusation is not for her it's for Jesus Jesus does not condemn her oh a little there's a there's a little maneuvering going on there's a little uh, situation that is strange uh, the master looks and then he bends down and he and he scratches something down and then he looks again and And Well, wait a minute, what on earth is happening? And finally Jesus says to the multitude, whoever is without sin, you throw the first stone. I'm giving you the privilege. I'm giving you the authority. Because the only one that has authority to condemn the sins of others is a sinless person. So whoever is without sin, be about your business. No one could. And they all left. They left annoyed at him, and they left annoyed at the whole situation. Then Jesus did ask a question. Where are those that condemn you? And she says, they're gone. Then he looks at her, and somehow or other, he knows that she has sensed they didn't, but he can. And so he looks at her and sets her free. I don't condemn thee. I don't condemn thee. Woman, and he says, The most beautiful thing in the world go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. There's a laughter in the group, there's a chuckle among the multitude. Did you hear what he said? Go and sin no more. <laughs> and even later, the disciples look at the master and said, This is her life work. This is what she does. Master, how can you be sure she doesn't go back to prostitution? How can you be sure? She doesn't take on the same things she did. Where do you get your confidence? You just say, go and sin no more. Like it's going to happen. And Jesus did one turn around. And all of a sudden, he made himself the center stage. Focus of all light and all power was on him. There was no one standing there but him. And Jesus said the most beautiful words that could ever be said. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, in case you don't know it, and in case you haven't realized it, I am the light of the world. And he that walks in my light will not stumble in darkness. And if you want to join that onto a few other scriptures, let me tell you this. The darkness could not put out his light and never can put out his life. So when he says to the, to the disciples, I am the light of the world and he that walks in me shall have, what shall he have? Shall have the light of life. What does that mean? It means not only light as we have during the day to not stumble, to be able to see. But the light of life which is beyond human and normal, a natural light. A light that lights up the inner soul. A light that penetrates the spirit. A light that floods the mind and the heart. A light that puts an illumination of God's truth right through the whole spirit and soul of mankind. What he's trying to say is, If people stay in my light they don't sin. They sin when they're out of my light. They sin when they can't see me. They sin when they're not conscious of my light. I am the light of the world. To be good mothers, to be good fathers, to be good Christians you got to walk in the light. It's the light of Jesus. You see, there's a, such a thing in the theater as the floodlight. All the lights are out. That floodlight works miracles because it is so powerful. And the persons running the floodlights are so fantastic in their job. That person can look bright and bright as, uh, as, 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 as light as day. But then they can throw a red haze, and they can throw a green haze, and they can throw a silver light. And all the colors imaginable can come through that. Now, if the artist performing is not followed by the lights, what good are the lights? Would you go to a theater to see lights running around a stage and no artist in the middle of the light? No. I want to see the artist. Well, if you want to see the artist, she's got to be in the light. Same with our life. I don't care what you're preparing. I don't care what dream you see in the future. I don't care what hope you have. You got to walk in the light and you got to stay in that light because it's the only place where you can see things the way they are. Everybody else will tell you something different. Jesus says, I'm the light. That's why she won't sin anymore. I'm the light of the world. That's why she'll walk the straight and narrow path. I'm the light of the world. That's why she will follow me. And that's why she won't stumble, because she'll be. But you've got to be in him. So one of the requirements to be the best mother in the world, to be the best person in the world, is to follow him in the light. He's got to be central. He's got, to, he's got to be your everything. You're the one on the stage, but it's his life that's illuminating your life. And there comes a moment, now this doesn't happen with electricity, where that light becomes your light. There comes a moment when that light fuses into your being, where that light starts to shine from you because you have him in such a positive way then people will look and see you. And when they see you, they'll see him. At first it may be a little muffled. At first it's not too clear. At first it's a little hazy. At first they're not too sure. But sooner or later, Jesus comes through. And oh, when they can see him, how beautiful. Jesus said in the book of John 15, talking about his own life, and talking about the importance of his life especially to the disciples he said this we're talking about the vine we're talking about being together in the vine we're talking about what the vine means to the branches and how we can't be without the vine for a branch cannot sustain itself and then Jesus says without me you can do nothing that that's that's heavy language you see, this is where the rebellion comes in. Where the strength of youth, where the strength of knowledge, where the strength of power, where the strength of money, where the strength of impresario spirit uh, takes over. There is something about mankind, and sometimes even in the homeless and the hopeless, you'll find it, where they will not relinquish, they will not give up, they will not surrender. That which Connor, you and I would say, well, that's their dignity, they should keep it. No, 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 listen. Dignity that drags you down and dignity that makes you nothing. Dignity that's just language that comes out of your mouth and just a dream in your head. That's not dignity. That's not dignity. Yes, but you're yourself. That's dignity. No, no, it's not even that. Because we have nothing to be proud of. You say, well, I do. I have a heritage. I have a nationality. I have an education. I have a position. I have a place in life. Well, all that, I'm very proud of it. Well, God bless you and God bless the mother that brought you into this world and God bless the father that worked hard enough for you to get your education. God bless all of that, but guess what? Without him, you can do nothing. You say, Sister Amy, I'm willing to fight that one out with you. We can sit, we can talk. I've come to the conclusion, without him, I can do nothing without him you can do nothing, oh! you can try. Spin your wheels, and do they ever spin? Move your movements, and don't we know how to move? Do it all. Without him, we can do nothing. Oh mother, that son. I thank God so much for the Bible. I thank God for the words in Proverbs, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he shall get old, he shall not depart. And you say, Sister Amy, my kids have all departed. Uh, Then I'll take you to to the book of uh, Luke in the 15th chapter. Only Jesus knew the heart of a mother. Only Jesus knew the heart of a father. Talks about the boy that leaves for the good times, for the good life. And you know what happens, don't you? He had it all. The song, the dance, the come, the go, the friends, the harlots, the nice people, the bad people. And the kid is so naive that when he loses his money and when he loses everything, he says, that's okay. Whoever I partied with will now help me. Ah, what a joke. Got to live long enough to know that that's a joke. When you knock at doors and ask to come in and you have nothing to offer, people are busy. They can't see you just now. They don't, not too sure when they'll be back. No, I can't lend you anything. But that's the way life is. And he goes to the pig pen, because the only job he could get was feeding the pigs and tending to them. Isn't it true, that's what sometimes where it takes, Mother. So don't be afraid. I look at mothers trying to, what shall I say, trying to stem every fall of a child, trying to be there. I don't want to sound cruel, but listen to me. Once they're 18 and over, they're on their own. You're there for counsel. You're there for love. You're there for prayer. You're there for anything that has to do with help. But not to cushion every fall. Not to be the pillar under every rendezvous. Not to be the hiding place for every ugly thing that's done. God hasn't called us to do that. That's not our job. That's why the book of Proverbs said a light doesn't go out at night. Why doesn't it go out at night? Because we're always waiting for a child. We're always waiting for a child. That light will always be there. But it's the light that guides them home. It's the light that guides them to God. It's the light that guides them to truth. It's the light that guides them to direction. Oh, I love him. Without me, you can't do nothing. I think it's the most arrogant statement in the entire Bible. But who made it? The creator of heaven and earth. The one that said, uh, Everything I have made is well done. Without me, I can do nothing. Without him, we can do nothing. I like Peter. Peter says, yes, I can. I'm strong. I'm going to defend you. I'm going to take good care of you. Nobody's going to touch you. Not even with a 10-foot pole. And if all of these fellas leave you, I won't. And when everybody abandons you, I won't. And when everyone negates they know you, I won't. So hang in there, Jesus. You're in for a surprise. It's a little girl near a fire that says, oh, aren't you a Galilean? You talk just like them. He says, No, I'm not. Then the other little lady looks up and says, Hey, you were with them. Aren't you one of his apostles, one of his uh, disciples? Didn't you follow? Says, no, 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 no. Was it me? And another one says, Oh, yes, it was. I remember clearly. I remember clearly. Down the via, I saw you. I saw you. No, you didn't. And out come the Galilean curses and out comes uh, and Jesus is taken from one room to another and he turns back and his eyes meet Peter's and Peter remembers before the cock crows you'll have denied me three times and the only thing Peter could say is he knew it he knew it I can't do it alone without me you can't do nothing I like that I'm willing to go for it I'm willing to be helpless if he's my strength I'm willing to be nothing if he is who I trust in I'm willing to walk in the shadows and walk in the darkness Uh, if he promises to be my inner light I'll take any gambles because without him I can't do a thing have you ever tried it's when you try It's when you try that you realize this great truth. Listen to what the scripture says. She watches over the affairs of her household. And she's not lazy. She's full of instruction. And she's full of wisdom. Listen to what Jesus says. Here's the greatest instruction, the greatest wisdom of all. I will compare the person that hears my word and obeys it, I'll compare him, the mother that gambles all for all on her faith in Christ for her children. And it's a gamble for the world. It's a gamble. For us, it's faith. For us, it's 100%. Let me tell you that. Remember six weeks ago, I preached on faith has twenty twenty vision. And you say, well, wait a minute. If it's faith, then you can't see it. No, 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 no. You do see it. The only thing is no one else can see it. You know it's there, but no one else can touch it. You know it's yours, and people think you're crazy. That's faith. That's faith. Jesus says, whoever hears my word and obeys him, I'll compare him to the mother, to the father, to the person that builds his house upon the rock. Builds his house upon a foundation so solid that that foundation makes the house immovable now the house is not set aside from the the beatings of life and no 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 it's not the scripture said that that house feels the hurricane, and that house feels the winds, that house feels the storms, that house feels the shaking. But what I like about it is that uh, when morning breaks the house is still there, maybe a few people crying inside, might be a window or two broken, some debris hit the windows. There may be a little tremble inside. And all of a sudden, what's inside isn't even important. You're not picking up lamps. You're not picking up furniture. You're not, you're just still. It may be shattered a little inside because storms hit hard. But guess what? The foundation is solid and the house is still on it. I'll compare the man that hears my word and obeys it to the man that puts his house upon the rock. And when the storm and the winds and the hurricanes come, it cannot be blown down. It'll be shook. It'll be touched. We might be scared a little, but it won't fall. Why? Because, see, without him, we can do nothing. And if we're on the foundation, that's him. We won't be moved. We won't be moved. And so I say today... We thank God for good mothers. I thank God for my mommy. You've heard my sermons for the last eight years. She was a tough cookie. Oh, my mother was, my, my mother, my mother ranged from comical to unbelievable. Uh, my mother gave me the gamut of life. And there were some things that she was just so unbelievable and in others. I used to look at her and say, Mommy, I can't believe you. Because mothers are strange. Mothers see things that no one else sees. I want you to know that. I would have company, and my mother would say, Do you know that you spend over $75 in that meal? And I would look up, and I'd say, Mama, I don't care. She says, No, that's why you're going to be poor forever. (laughs) But that was Mama. That was Mama. I couldn't change her. Yet it was my mama that got up every morning with a little Ignacio de Gloria. I remember today a little cover, paper cover, orange paper cover, and her Bible. My mother never waited for church. My mother had church every day. She hobbled over to her rocking chair, and then I love her rocking chair, because she lived with me in Spring Valley. Her rocking chair was in a place where she can control all five doors of the house. (laughs) Every bedroom door. You know, when teenage kids get, start growing up, you know, they bring their friends home to hear records and today and they go into the bathroom and my mother would sit there and say, Amy, se metieron todos en el cuarto, sácalos. And then, and I, hear, oh, for, for the sake of the English speaking people, mother would watch the rooms and the boys from junior high or high school would go into the room where the girls were. And then my mother would say, yeah, ma, uh, she'd right away call, Amy, sácalos, take them out, take them out. I said, mother, the door's open. The music is on. I don't care. Yet it was my mother that looked one day and said to me, I ask God to make you a preacher. I ask God to consecrate your life. I separated everything I had for you. And for the first $3,000 that she had ever saved in her life, she put it into my studies for seminary. So you see, mothers are a beautiful mixed bag. You never know what you're going to get when you pull out. Right, Cesar? You never know. You never know. Someday they're right on top and they're beautiful. Other days, dig deep, you can't find them. <laughs> Whoa. But that's all right. They're God's gift to us. Many women did well, but you surpassed them all. And that's God's word about mothers. Now the most important thing is not to be founded on the foundation of mommy. It's the foundation of Jesus. And there comes a moment of transfer. Where she isn't in command, but he's in command. Where her teachings turn out to be a foundation and then we slip on the foundation and we go on walking. And I thank the Lord for that. I thank God for who he is in our lives. I do have a word of counsel. Love your mothers. You say, sister, she is to love. Whatever I give her doesn't fit or she doesn't like it. Whatever I do for her, she's never satisfied. Guess what? Love her. Love her. Love her. Yeah. Love her. We have only one command. Honor thy mother and thy father. And the scripture says it's the first commandment with promise. You say, Sister Amy, I've got a problem. My mother's ungodly. My mother's a spiritist. My mother uh, believes in, in Satan worship. My mother... That does become a difficult problem. But let me tell you this. You bear the love of Christ in your heart. And you share that love with her and above everything you honor her you're not honoring her faith you're not honoring what she uh, whatever she's into es- especially when it's not gospel it's not god it's not the word but you still have to honor god doesn't say honor the good ones god doesn't say honor the religious ones god doesn't say honor the pure ones god doesn't say honor the nice ones honor the ones that give you no god says honor that's across the board. And and learn, and learn the separations of honor. If that honor takes you away from God, you don't have to. I say this with a great deal of sincerity and a great deal of pain. Nothing that takes you away from God can be honored. You respect, you pay your dues, but stay close to God. Say amen.